0: Good morning again, everybody. I'm Jeff, one of the pastors. I'm delighted to bring the last message of our sermon series, Jesus 167. It's been a good series, don't you think? Yeah. It's been great. And, hey, we're celebrating, our, we're celebrating it that uh, we've got these uh, our friends, Patrick and Alexis, here who are serving in Africa, our missionaries. I just looked out and I saw Katie Cole, who's serving in Japan. Hi, Katie. Give Katie some love. I'm glad you're here. I didn't know you were going to be here today. I'm really glad to see you. Um, so... Have I told you guys about Italy, Dad? Have I told you about Italy, Dad? So, I save my pennies, I get new credit cards, I use the bonus, I fly to Italy for free. You know that about me? I've been to Italy 11 times, I've never paid for a ticket. If you need some coaching on how Chase can pay for your vacation, I'm happy to do that. Uh, But, Italy dad is the me I want to be. Italy dad is the me who is just at rest. It's the me who every sunset's the best sunset I've ever seen. Every sunrise, the best sunrise ever. every cup of coffee I've had is the best cup of coffee I've ever tasted. It's like every meal I have. It's like, this is me. This is me. Like, what do you want to do? It doesn't matter. Everything's good. Like, that's me. And I didn't know there was an Italy dad until I had this once in a lifetime opportunity to travel with three of my adult daughters to Italy and they were there with me. And I don't know if it was because we were on our third gelato for the day (laughs) or whether it was somebody said, hey, let's go to this restaurant. And I went, great. Like, I don't remember what happened, but my daughter Anna goes, oh, I like Italy dad. Like, oh, that's why you come here. And I'm like, oh, I like Italy, Dad, too. <laughs> it was what I was kind of made for. It was what I longed for, that place of being that peace and rest. It's the most joyful me, the most spiritual me, the most peaceful me, the most restful me. And I realized this is actually what we were made for. Not to be in Italy on vacation, that's impossible, but to live that way. 167 or 68 hours a week. And so I want to talk a little bit in this last sermon uh, of this series uh, about this idea of being people full of rest and peace and worship. I picked the hour at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, and this is the title of my sermon, Investing Toward a Life of Connection with God and Soul Rest. I picked the eight o'clock on Sunday morning because it was as close as I could get to nine o'clock to church on Sunday morning, but say it's still not about church. This is about, listen, this is symbolically about the other hours in our week, not just church, but church for sure. The other hours in our week where we invest, where we sow into our hearts of worship and rest and peace and joy where we draw near in connection to God. Because that's what we were made for. To be Italy dad in 167 other hours in the week. So this is what we're made for. This is our thesis for today. We were made for a life characterized by worship slash connection. We were made to, be, to have a life where we live in constant connection and worship with this awesome God that we just sang about. And that that results in this rest and this peace, this Sabbath and shalom, if you wanna go Hebrew on us, in our souls. This is what we were made for, a life characterized by worship and connection, rest and peace in our souls. I'm going to bring you to this scripture, iconic scripture that really articulates this longing that we have in our heart to be Italy dad, 167 or eight hours a week. It's from Matthew chapter 11, and this is Jesus, of course, saying, come to me, come to me. You come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. Now, sometimes we preach this around sort of a message like, oh, are you having a hard week? I feel like today, we don't have to qualify that anymore. I feel like in today's life and world, in everybody's experience, when we go Jesus goes, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, another uh, translation says, you're heavy laden. I feel like everybody in the room goes, that's me every day, right? I mean, this is what we're carrying. You come to me, you're weary and you're heavy laden. And I, what does it say? I will What? give you rest. This is what Jesus promises to our heavy and burdened and weary soul. Take my yoke upon you. Think yoke. Think the picture of the oxen. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, you can be submissive to me and learn from me, but I'm gonna be gentle and humble in heart. I'm gonna be good to you, in other words, if you submit yourself to me. It won't be brutal. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But come to me and submit to me. And it says what the, you will find rest for your souls. You just love that, these phrases. This is what we were made for, you guys. Worship, connection with God, rest and peace in the deepest places. Do you know people who are characterized by that sense of, Connection with God, and rest, and peace. When you're with them, you're like, oh, I like Italy, Dad. Like, I want to be with that person. It just oozes out of them. It's like, that's how we were designed to live. Everything around me is so different than that. Everything going on in my soul is so different than that. But this person is full of this rest and peace. They've come to Jesus, and he's given them rest for their souls. These are some words that I looked up. This is what worship, we're called to a life of this connection and this rest and peace. This is what it doesn't look like. Here's some words that I came up with. Frantic, frenetic, uptight, hurried, harried, worried, anxious, sleepless, restless, irritated, frustrated, temper-losing, hypervigilant, disorganized, disappointing, overmedicated, oversubstance, overcommitted, over-promising, under-delivering. I just how does that feel to our souls? And yet that's the life that we're constantly tempted to live or living and so we are weary and burdened and we know that when one or more of those kinds of words get applied to our soul like when we're like yeah that's actually how I'm living right now we know it's us at our worst don't you right you're like oh this is this is not Italy dad like this is not how I was meant to live and so We're left with this idea that it's not right, the text says, to be weary and burdened and unrested and too heavy and all of those things. So to counteract that way of living and to live the life we were made for, to live the life that we were made for of connection and worship, right? Of rest and peace. Then we embed practices, spiritual practices in our lives to get us to that place. This is what we do. We embed spiritual practices in our lives to get us out of frenetic and weary and anxious and overwhelmed and connect us to Jesus who gives rest to our souls. And so 8 a.m. Sunday was the hour I made up in my head that just is symbolic for those hours that we put in our life where we do those practices and we connect to Jesus and we walk with him. So what are those two practices? And that's what I wanna talk about in the rest of our time together. There's two practices that need to be embedded in our lives and they're worship and Sabbath. Worship and Sabbath. Let's talk about each one. First of all, to live the life we are created to be, we practice Sabbath. And I know, I'm super aware that worship and Sabbath are two really Christian words. Like I know that. Like I know that outside of this room, those words aren't used very much. And if they are, they may have other kinds of connotations. So I want us to kind of open our minds to like, all right, well, what does this really mean? What are worship and Sabbath? And let's start with the word Sabbath. To live the life we were created, we must practice Sabbath. Now, this is a day, right? We know this in the Jewish religions is a day that Jewish people forever have taken a day, and it's a day where they're not supposed to do any rest. And we were, when we were in Israel on our trip a couple weeks ago, we, we, were, we were laughing because, you know, they were, they were telling us, Jewish people in Israel were telling us, it's really funny that they would like have to have, na- some people who are uh, practicing Sabbath and getting super into it, They'd like have to have their neighbors come over and flip on their lights for them when it was Sabbath, because that was work for them to turn on the light switch, but they needed lights. So they'd have their neighbor do it. And we're like, well, what's the point of that exactly? You know, we're like, so there's, I mean, when we think of Sabbath, we think of something like a little bit like that. And we're like, oh, that's really interesting. But Sabbath is such a beautiful Jewish concept. And we're so grateful for God to give it that concept to us through the, um, the Jewish people. But here's what it is. It's a day, yes, but it's also specific hours. Maybe 8 a.m. on Sunday, which is symbolic of preparing our hearts. Maybe it's an hour every day. But it's a day or it's hours where, yes, we cease, listen, we cease our striving. That's what Sabbath is. That's why Italy dad's so happy. There's no work to be done. There's no striving. There's no arranging. There's no manipulating. There's no, like, I'm responsible for it all. Why? Because we take an hour, we take a day, and we go, oh, God, you got this. You want to know a Sabbath prayer? This is your homework. Every morning this week, pray, Lord, you got this. You carry this. I'm going to cease striving. That's what Sabbath is. You go back to the Old Testament. I don't have time to teach on all of that stuff. But you go back and you look at what Sabbath is all about. It was about God saying, listen, just like I created the world, then I rested. I want you to rest from your work. Why? Because I want you to stop striving. I want you to stop believing that what you do equals what you have. That what you do equals who you are. That if you don't do something, that you won't have it. That I'm not really going to come through for you, so you better take care of yourself. Cease that way of thinking and living, like interrupt that cycle of frenetic and unrest and weary and burdened and wait on the Lord. That's what Sabbath is about. Come sit in the truths that God is at work. Come sit in the truth. The best thing about a Sabbath and, 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 and the concept of it, and, and it's like actually every Jewish day, you've heard me say this before, every day in the Jewish concept, the Jewish mindset, a day begins when? At sunset. Now, this is really interesting. And so like a Sabbath day would begin at sunset, it would begin when your work was done anyway. It would begin when it got dark, when you couldn't do any more work, where you had to now just rest. So the day begins where you rest and then shortly you sleep. And so you literally, think about sleep compared to every other state that we're in. It's finally the time where you shut up. When you stop moving, where you stop striving, where you stop being anxious, where you stop controlling, where you stop manipulating, where you stop arranging, when you stop fixing, where you stop taking care of everything. Like it's the only time. Isn't that why we love going to bed these days? Do you not love going to bed? Because we're weary. I don't just mean we need sleep. It's just, so a Sabbath, where was I? So Sabbath... Is about a day, is about starting where we're done and we sleep, and then we get up, listen, halfway through the day, and we join God in what He's already been about. We join God in his work. We join God in his sovereignty. We join God in what he has been doing, what he has created for us. So we go, this is the day the Lord has made. No, actually the day the Lord has made started 12 hours ago. He's been working on it. He set up your agenda for the day. He set up like all the things that you're going to face and he has orchestrated it for his glory and he's already been in charge. Will you join him in it? Isn't that beautiful? Oh man, our soul needs these practices embedded. We need the practice of Sabbath embedded where we take a day and we live like that or we take an hour every day and we go, God, you got this. You've been at work. And what I'm facing today, you're already been on it and you're planning it. Okay, I love that. That's the point of Sabbath. And the point is that this life of rest and and. and and, and stopping striving and all that kind of stuff, it, it is a, available to us all. I forgot to show you this, this um, scripture text, Hebrews nine. I'm mean four, sorry, Hebrews four, chapter nine. I mean, verse nine. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now he spent two chapters talking about the, the, the rest that God has invited his people into for generations. how hard it was for them to enter into it. But then he talks about how Jesus, because he's united us with God and put his Holy Spirit in us, brings then a Sabbath rest, 168 hours a week, for who? For God's people. And therefore the challenge is, let us uh, make every effort to enter that rest. Now I want to talk about making every effort then if it's available to us. If the point is it's available to us, let's talk about what it looks like to make every effort to enter into that rest. Isn't it always super interesting that we have this message of grace and God does it and it's all the work of God and we, right. And it's this receiving from God and it's always about God. And then we have these sermons that, uh, that also say, and you make every effort to be a part of that. Because it doesn't just happen, right? We partner with the things that God wants to do in our transformation. So the scripture says, so make every effort to enter it. What does it look like to make every effort to enter into that rest? A couple things, and this is just implied from um, the first of these are implied from that text in, in Matthew. We make every effort, one, to come to Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 11, right? Come to me. You come to me. We make every effort to come to Jesus, to be in his presence. And what is the text in Matthew 11 say, Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. So we, we make an effort to come to Jesus. Now, in our freedom, in the way that we understand all these spiritual truths, we say in our own minds, well, I'm always in God's presence. That's the beauty of it. I'm always there. It's so, right? And that's true. But we make every effort to lean in consciously to the very presence of God in our lives. Cause we know the difference between God's been with me. I assume that's a theological truth and I'm walking with Jesus and he's giving me rest for my vacation soul dad, right? Like that's the difference. And so we come to Jesus for the rest that he wants to give us. And this is old school. This is old school. Ben and I have talked about this so many times. We, ben and I were raised, and when I say Ben and I, do you see how I'm, co- I'm connecting us in the same generation like we're the same age? But we were raised in this era when, when, we, got, when we came to Jesus and then we got discipled. Our people who were helping get in discipled meaning helping training to be a follower of Jesus, people came along and said, you don't know how to How do you know how to do that? You don't know how to do that. Let me help you know how to do that. That's super helpful, by the way. How would I have known to do that? The people who discipled us came along and they said, lesson number zero, like before one. Every day, you have a quiet time. I got an amen from somebody of our generation in the front row. (laughs) Every day, you make every effort to enter into that rest, Hebrews 4.11. Every day, you make every effort to come into the presence of God because, yes, you have freedom in Christ. Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells you. Yes, he's always with you, but you will be a pragmatic agnostic unless you pause every day and practice the Sabbath of God. You got this. You're in my life. You've been working over the last 12 hours. You ordained the next 12 hours like I'm your person. I'm with you. Spoiler alert, I'm going to get to the end of this sermon and I'm going to go. You should have a quiet time every day next week. Because it's where we come to Jesus for the rest that he gives us. Come to Jesus is making every effort. Secondly, it says in the text, and take his yoke upon you. That means submission. But it means more than submission. If you read about what a yoke is, because I have to, because I grew up in Oakland, I know nothing about agriculture and about farming, and animals. But if you read about what a yoke is, they were two oxen, and they were yoked together, and that connected them to the farmer, right? So we often think about it both ways, and we should. We're we're putting his yoke, you lead me, I will be in submission to you. But you also think Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. He could be talking about the fact that we're one ox and he's the other. And we're connected and what farmers often did, so they tell me is that they would have an old seasoned, trained oxen who knew how to go and how to plow the field and how to plow straight and how to do the work. And then you had a young oxen who was like, whoa whoa whoa, and you would yoke them together. And every single sermon we say, get connected to Jesus and walk with him. So take my yoke upon you as both, I'm a good farmer and I'm a great partner. Let's walk together in life. So make every effort to enter into the rest. We come to Jesus. We submit ourselves to Jesus. His burden is not gonna be heavy or ill-fitting, but he's gonna train us and teach us and lead us with him. Third, Make every effort is to learn from him. The scripture says, Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You can receive my teaching. You can receive my leading. You can submit yourself to me because guess what we're not good at in our world today? Guess what none of us is good at? Submitting ourselves to anybody. <laughs> we were, it was very interesting to lead a tour of 27 people on a bus in Israel for nine days because nobody ever wanted to do anything that I told them to do. <laughs> I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna come over when I feel like it. I'm gonna listen when it suits me. No offense to those of you who are in Israel with me, but it's how we function. <laughs> Rules sort of don't apply to us. Well, let's just say it. Rules don't apply to us because we're free. And, but man, we come and we learn from him. We come and we say to Jesus, I'm gonna draw near to you. I'm gonna take your yoke upon me and I'm gonna ask you, God, how do I live life? You talk to me, you school me, you teach me, you lead me and I will be your woman, and I will be your man. And without that, if we just go, bless me in the heavenlies, I believe that you're with me in my life, we will not experience what we were made to experience. Connection and worship, rest and peace. And we'll be Novato dad forever, not Italy dad. Last one is not from this text, but it couldn't help but bring it to you because it's such a powerful concept. We make every effort to enter into his rest. We walk in the ancient paths, the good way. This is from Jeremiah chapter six. Look at the verse with me and then we'll come back and you can see that point on the screen. This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah To Israel, he goes, look, and again, chapters of like, you have been living frenetic and weary and broken and separate lives from me. How's that going for you is what God's been saying to his people. And then he comes and he goes, stand at the crossroads and look, stand, stand at the intersection of who you want to be. Oh my gosh. Come on now. Will this preach every every day you stand at the crossroads and you go, who who am I going to be? Which way am I going to go? And God says, and ask not for the new fangled new solution that nobody's ever tried, that you've never tried, that by the way, has never worked for anybody else. You stand at the crossroads and you ask, what's the ancient way? What's the way that the Lord Yahweh has laid down? What is the way that God says, this is life? You stand at the crossroads, you go, who am I going to be? And you ask, you look for the ancient paths. And he qualifies that and, 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 ask, and calls it the good way. Ask where the good way is, where life is found, where rest and peace is found, where worship and connection with God is found, where life as we were designed to live it is found. Stand at the intersection and ask, what has people, have people been doing forever? What has God laid down? Where is the good way? And then you walk in it. Is that a word? And what's the response? Read it with me. And you will find rest for your soul. That's what we're looking for. So you make every effort to walk, to, to, uh, to enter into this rest. You make every effort to enter into it. You're going to come to Jesus. You're going to go back to that slide so I can see it, Emgard. You're going to take his yoke upon you. You're gonna learn from him and you're gonna walk in the ancient paths. You're gonna walk in the ways that God says, walk with me, walk the way I've designed life to be. And that will bring us into the good way. Oh, by the way, go back to that scripture real quick because you probably saw on the screen, but I avoided, it's just this terrible last sentence says, but you said, we will not walk in it if we're gonna insist on not submitting ourselves to the way of Jesus then we will always get what we always get. And our souls will not be connected to him and will not be at rest the way we long for it. Why does all that work? Why does it work to make every effort and to lean in? Why does that work Because when we do, we apply things like the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, don't don't worry. So don't worry saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? Where will I go? Like, don't worry about those things. He goes, you know who runs after those things? He calls them pagans, meaning technical term for people who don't know God. That's who runs after those things. He goes, but you, do you know this verse? Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingship of Jesus and all these things will be given to you for your heavenly father knows that you need them before you even ask. Come on now. That's why it works. And so we trust God to take care of our lives. So in summary, an hour a a day or a day of Sabbath, but but symbolizing this 8 a.m. where we come to him and we trust that he is the Lord of our lives. That is the best effort we can make, in my humble opinion. This is what we are made for, a life characterized by worship and connection and by rest and peace, but we don't experience it. So to counteract that, we have to have these practices embedded in our lives. Sabbath was the first one. Now, very briefly, I just wanna remind you, it's so connected, and that's why I put it at 8 a.m., the practice of worship. Say Sabbath and worship. Say it. Sabbath and worship. Good. I'm just going to introduce this to you and then I'm going to be done. Psalm 29 is a great worship text. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Like the heavens have to cry out, the angels have to cry out. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Like He's it, right? Ascribe to the Lord the glory, what? Do His name. The glory that's due Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Now, this is a definition of worship, one of many that we could devise, but just look at the lines and let this sink into your soul. This is what worship is. Worship is giving God all the praise. Oh, God, you are awesome. Your splendor and your glory as I learn about you, you are awesome. We give God all the praise, honor. God, you're the one thing of greatest value. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. I want to honor you for who you are. Gratitude. Thank you, God, for everything I have is yours. Everything I'm in, you're in with me. You're taking care of me. Gratitude and submission. You're my God. I've settled the issue. You're my Lord. We give him all those things because he is due them because of what he's, who he is and what he's done. And so we practice, there's hours in our week where we practice being worshipers, not hour 168 in church, but 167 hours daily. We practice this living, um, the life we were meant to live is by giving God this glory that is due him. In short, this is what I would say when we worship, we're rehearsing the truth of who he is and what he has done. We're rehearsing the truth of who he is and what he has done. We're rehearsing the truth about who he is and what he's done. Dan, I'm going to have you guys come out and I want to wrap up. But in Practical considerations you guys around worship, daily worship is about rehearsing the truth of who he is and what he's done. So you can do that with worship music and that feels like worship to us, but got to have the word in your life. You've got to have corporate worship hour 168 when we are together in your life. We have to make a plan, an intentional plan to practice rehearsing who he is, what he's done. So just like we would take a quiet time of Sabbath where we see striving and we say, God, you are God, like you got this. We would also in that time have an intentional practice to be in God's word and say, let me ascribe to you who you are God and let me give you gratitude for what you have done and let me call out to you to continue to do that in my life. We were meant, we were created to live a life characterized by worship, connecting with God and to have that rest and that peace in our souls. But we gotta embed practices in these hours of our life to make every effort to enter into that. What would that look like for you this week? Let's have a quiet time every day this week. Let's have an, a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Let's have it, whatever that looks like for you on Monday. Is it 6 a.m.? Is it 7 a.m.? Is it 5 a.m., Booker? Like, you know. Like let's, let's have a time where we enter into Sabbath and we say, I'm gonna see striving and believe that you've gone behind me and you're gonna go before me. God, you got this. And let's enter into worship and get into his word and rehearse what's true about who he is and what he has done. And see if God in that doesn't transform us into people whose hearts are characterized by rest and peace that we were made to thrive in. We get to practice it right now. We've got a couple of songs to just enter into this space, you guys, of worship and telling him that you are the thing of greatest value. So let's stand together and worship in response as this message sinks in.